Well, I had uh, a lot of different ways I could go tonight, but the Lord prompted me to just share something that has happened or something that he said to me. I, I prefer to share it on a Sunday morning, but <laughs> he said, you share it tonight. You share it tonight. And I said, what about all the other ones? And he said, well, that doesn't mean you, this is the only time you can share it. Um, but he said, share it tonight. So I just feel that's what I need to do. And since the meetings ended, I've been, uh, of course, when I say the meetings, I'm not talking about Thursday night, am I? What am I talking about? Sunday night. Because he said the weekend meetings were connected to the week. So since the, the, week, the, the weekend meetings or the meetings ended Sunday night, uh, between yesterday and the day before and today, I was waiting on the Lord about some things, and um, he spoke something to me in a word of prophecy. Now, he had been dealing with me about some of these things because I shared a little bit Sunday morning just in the offering, but, but uh, those had just been coming up in my spirit. But he actually uh, gave me, he's, he actually spoke to me. When I say that, you know, you can know things that come up in your spirit and you can just, you put your own words on it kind of thing, but you know God's dealing with you about this, that, or the other. The other times he'll, he'll, he'll actually speak to you. And I shared something Sunday morning that he did say, but also just some, some stuff that just I knew by the Spirit. But, you know, I'm putting my own words on it. Do you understand? But then I had, an, I had a time with him between Sunday night and tonight. And, uh, and he came and, he, and he, his presence came and he started to speak to me in paragraph form. That doesn't happen all, always. It doesn't happen very often. I would say that doesn't happen very often with me. Maybe once or twice a year, depending on what's going on. Sometimes he'll speak more if we're under heavy pressure. But uh, it's not a common thing. Not every week is he speaking to me in paragraph form. Do you understand? Every week, you can always have the Holy Ghost bearing witness every day. You can have the Lord give you instruction every week. But in terms of a specific word that you write out word for word, that does, that, that's not as common. And that that is a precious thing. And so I said, Lord, I'd rather share this on a Sunday. And he said, well, that doesn't mean you can't, but I want you to say it tonight. I don't know why, but there's a, there's a reason he wants it. Well, I do know why, but I'm not saying why, but there's a reason he wants it said tonight. And so I want to read with you. If you'd open your Bibles, please, to the book of Second Kings. Praise the Lord. Second Kings chapter four. 2 Kings chapter 4. We read this a little bit, but I want to read it again. 2 Kings chapter 4. And it says, It fell on a day, verse 8, that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman. Why was she great? <laughs> she was great because of her, what she did. She was great because she had honor. Are you listening to me? He didn't just say where there was a woman. He said where there was a great woman. What did she do that was so great? The only thing that she did that was great in this story was she showed honor. And then she believed that the connection that God had made for her with that anointing would produce things in her life. But she had to show honor. The greatness is because of the honor that she showed. And uh, there's a great night. Listen, God called somebody that showed honor great. Those three, uh, those 30, but then three mighty men of David, uh, they were mighty or great. Why? Because of their loyalty and because of their honor. They're willing to inconvenience and sacrifice themselves for the sake of, of, the, of, the, of the kingdom, which is in our vernacular, the plan of God and the person that God had connected them with. Do you understand? Uh, God counts that as great. He doesn't count you being rich as great. The world will count you being rich as you're great. That's not how God looks at it. 
Honor will bring riches, but that's not what God calls great. God calls people that, are, that put, up, put the plan of God first. Are you listening? Put the associations that God has first. Put the local church first. Because the local church represents the plan of God for this city for all of our lives. Because I can't do it without you. And you can't do it without me. And we're going to be a light. We already are a light, but we're going to be a greater light because he needs a light in a dark place. So the church, the local church where God's planted you, that place where you put first and that's where you show honor, uh, that's what God thinks is great in your life. Not retirement, not vacation, not money, not skill, not promotion. All those things are nice, but she, notice he, he called her great because she did something that proved her greatness, which was there was an honor shown. I want you just to pay attention to the renew your thinking of what God thinks is great. Because what God thinks is great is not always what we think is great. There was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread like Debbie said, she, he didn't, she, she didn't know. They didn't have cell phones. She didn't know when he was coming. Yeah, yeah. So that meant at a moment's notice, yeah. at a moment's notice, she was out there saying, come on in, come on in. I got, I got supper made for you. Come on in. Amen. The, 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 so in other words, not everything is going to be on your schedule. Yeah. Is it? As she said to her husband, behold, now I perceive. The husband didn't perceive. So not everybody in your life is going to perceive. Sometimes not even your spouse will perceive things right. But she said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. That means let us do renovation projects. That means she had to buy bricks. She had to buy mortar. She had to pay money. And she built a place on the wall and let us set for him there. She didn't just, she furnished it a bed table, stool, and candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he will turn in thither. In other words, she's recognizing this man is going, listening, and he's tired, and I got to feed him. Notice where it started. It started with food. Right? Notice with Elijah and the widow woman who who, in the famine, what did it start with? Bring me some water. He didn't up up it to the cake at the beginning. He said, give me a water. Cost her nothing. It's public well. Right? right? Just little thing. This, this, this Shinonite woman, just let me give him something small. Just let me give him some stew. Let me give him some sandwiches. Didn't cost her much. No. Do you understand? But then it progresses. So with the other woman, with Elijah, then, you know, now he says, now you've given me the little that didn't cost you much, but now God, see, these, these are spiritual truths. That's right. yes, sir. You give God a little that don't cost you much, you're going to get a little bit. That's right. Yes, sir. But you give God much. Come on. You give God much that costs you something. God turns around and does miracles for you. You can claim those miracles when the problem happens with your job, when you're sick in the middle of the night, when you get a bad report from the doctor, when your house looks like it's going to be foreclosed. You can claim those miracles because you did something great. You done something small, you don't have no rights to claim nothing. You can, to a measure, God will honor you, but the Bible says God is not mocked. If you're going to do little, I'm going to do little. That's what it means. If you're going to do much, I'm going to do much. So we, we should pay attention if God's asking for, he starts with little so we don't stumble. But then he goes up. Now, now the prophet says to that woman, give me the, give me the cake. Give it to me first. Didn't look like it, she was increasing, did she? It looked like she was decreasing. But her, her, what looked like a decreasing, which was seed, was connected to her having no, no loss of, of finances and food for the entire famine. 
We got we to renew our minds. These are spiritual truths. When, when your mind fights you about God asking you to do something, whatever that is, just trust him because there's something connected to that obedience. But it always starts small. Notice God is a God of progression. If you can't even do the little things, you're never going to graduate. But now he, she says, I'm giving you some food, but now see it progresses. Now she says of herself, let, let, us, let us do renovations. Let us, let us really invest something here. We're going to make a whole new room. We're going to make a place, listen, that didn't exist before. And we're going to have that place because he's tired. See, she's thinking about him, not her, not her budget. She's thinking about him. Now, because when he comes, I notice when he sits at our table and he eats our food, he's tired. And sometimes he can barely keep his eyes open. And maybe he goes and sits in the corner or on the proverbial couch. I don't know if they had those, but you know what I'm saying. And then he goes on his journey. But I've noticed, now notice how she paid attention. Are you listening to me tonight? Notice how she paid attention to the needs of the minister. Now, notice how you should pay attention to the needs of the local church. Not just me as the minister, but the local church. I've noticed, Pastor, there's a need here. Can I serve? I've noticed that, there's a, that this is dirty. Can I clean? I've noticed that you're shorthanded here. Can I a volunteer? Pay attention to the needs of something other than you. Because the local church, he represents the plan of God, the ministry of God in the earth. It's not just me as an individual, it's the local church. She paid attention to the needs of the ministry and she said, let me invest in that ministry and I'm gonna, it's going to cost me something because I can't just do sandwiches anymore. The sandwiches isn't enough. See, God stretched her on the sandwich, but now her faith elastic is loose. Now he's going to stretch her on building a room. And he'll stretch you. If you're spiritual, he'll stretch you. If you're you're not being stretched, you're carnal. If he's not dealing with you about your attitudes, believe me, he will. means you ain't listening. If he's not dealing with you about your love walk, listen. If he loves you, Nigel, he's going to whip you. Do you understand me? If he's never whipping you, he don't love you. But he does love you. Which means he's trying to whip you. But you won't listen to the whooping. Everybody wants to feel good. Make me feel good. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to bring you truth. The truth will make you feel good after a while. Just, just hold, on a, hold on a minute. The truth will make you feel good. But while it gets in, it might be a whooping for you. Are you listening to me? God loves me. If he is not chastening me, I have to question his love. Do you listen to me? He hugs me. He loves me. That is one form of love. But another form of love is discipline. If I don't love Luke and he mouths off, I am not really loving him by letting him get a pass, am I? Because I'm training him that 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 behavior is acceptable and that behavior will hurt his future. So there is a hug love and there is a whooping love. And everybody wants to talk about the hug love, but nobody wants to talk about the chastening love. But I'm telling you, if God's not chastening you, if his spirit is not striving with you about flesh that has to get out, about mindsets that has to be changed, about carnal behavior that has to be crucified, I'm telling you, he don't love you. But he does love you, which means he is chastening you. But how many people are listening to the chastening? Or they're interpreting the chastening as from the devil. Well, I feel condemnation. I bind that. No, that's not condemnation. That's the Holy Ghost trying to get your attention. But you won't listen to him. 
I'm talking firm with you tonight for a reason. I'm saying this for a reason because I'm going somewhere with this. Okay? So thank God. I'm grateful when God, when God, I want him to love me. And most of the time it is the hug kind of love. But when that, when that correction comes, I don't fight it. I say, thank you, Jesus, because I know you love me. You, and, and in fact, if you weren't doing this, I'd be questioning because the only reason he wouldn't chasten me is if I'm perfect. And my wife told me yesterday I wasn't. I was under the, con- the conviction that I was. But she told me I wasn't. And I think she's right. And none of you are either. Which means he's going to be dealing with you. So get ready. Get ready for chastening. Because it's, it's right here, right now. It's not on yonder season. It's right now. There's a season where God's going to have to deal with us if we're going to go forth. Uh, do you think boot camp's easy? That is chastening to prepare for war. Do you think hell week, which is one of whatever it is, nine weeks of the Navy SEALs, it's so bad that they call it hell week because, you know, most people quit during it because you're going almost without sleep and you're going 24 hours a day and they break you psychologically, they break you physically, they break you mentally and they do that on purpose. It's not mean, it's training. Because when you get into a war scenario and you are taken by the enemy and they are torturing you, they are going to break you physically, mentally and psychologically and if you can't handle it, other soldiers will die. The country's safety will be at risk. Do you understand? So there is a chastening so that you can come through the fire and become made pure and stronger than ever before so you can take up your weapon and stand on guard and fight for that, for that nation. Do you understand? You never, you never give a novice a weapon and say, go fight. They'll shoot themselves in the foot and shoot you beside them. There has to be a season of preparation and training and that season never, ever feels the way you think it's going to feel. It's always harder. <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. Stay with me. This woman, she said, I can't handle just sandwiches anymore, husband. I've got to do more. What I'm going to do, didn't say God said it, just said she perceived. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invest now. I'm really going to invest in him. And so she does. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay down. And he said to Gehazi, a servant called the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before Gehazi. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us. That means quick with all this care. That means reverence. You have been quick to show reverence or quick to show honor. What is to be done for thee? Would you be spoken of to the king? You want some political favor? Or to the captain of the host, you need some protection? See, in his mind, he's thinking, Maybe she needs like a special grant or maybe she could use some tax breaks or maybe there's somebody bugging her and I could get the army down here and they can protect her. He's thinking, how can I, are you listening? Because of what she did with honor, which was physical, what now can I do physically? We all talk about honor, but it's not words, it's physical. And God responds in kind. He doesn't just tell you he loves you. He honors you in the physical realm. How can I bless this woman? God's blessing her through me, the prophet. How can I do that? I'm not just going to tell her thank you. I'm going to show her. Did you notice the parallel? She said, I don't just honor you, prophet. I show you with some sandwiches. I don't honor you only. I show you with a little house. I don't honor promise of life. I show you by showing up and by doing things. 
Now, God in turn watches that honor that was physical and he responds in kind to say, now I'm going to honor you because you honored me and I'm going to do it physically. What can I do? Can I give you favor? Can I give you protection? See, God's looking for a way to get it into the natural realm for you. And uh, she said, I, ans- I-, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered. Now, notice she didn't, she didn't even ask. I like that. She wasn't knocking down his door. Now, we're allowed to ask God. The New Testament tells us, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We, we know that we have not because we ask not. There's nothing wrong with asking. Do you understand? But my point is that her motive is not the, the issue of whether she asked or not or whether you asked or not. I want you to notice the motive of the heart. Because you can ask and you should. But the motive was, I'm, I'm, I'm here to honor. And yes, Lord, I'm, gonna, I, I'm open to receive. But I'm not fighting for, for, I'm not fighting to get something. I'm fighting to give something. Just look at the motive. You, you do need to reap. You do need to claim your reaping. You do need to ask God. But I'm talking about the motive of the heart is very important to God. Yes. Why are you doing what you're doing? The fact that she didn't even say anything shows me why she did it. She did it for the right reasons. Yes. Yes. And the, the, to say something to God that you want is not wrong. I'm just saying in your talking to him about what your harvest needs to be, keep the motive of why you sowed the seed right. Amen. Yes. That's very important. Uh, and, and she said, uh, Gazi said, she has no child. See, he's paying attention. And her husband's old, meaning the chances of getting a child is slim to none. In other words, what is he saying? She needs a miracle. Well, thank God you come to the right place because Elisha is in the miracle business. <laughs> he's, he's not a novice. He's in the miracle business. He's got a double portion anointing of the previous prophet. He is a double miracle business. And he said about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. He even named the gender. And she said, no, my Lord. Now they're talking directly to each other. Thou man of God, do not lie and to thine handmaid. In other words, this is too special. This is too precious. This is the longest and greatest desire of my heart. Don't play games with me. You know what that says to me? Listen to me closely. That says to me that she was feeling and thinking, what I've done for you, listen closely to your pastor tonight, what I've done for you does not justify that kind of harvest. Are you listening? Because if she thought that she deserved it, she would not have said, don't lie to me. She would have said, yeah, that's right. Look what I've done for you. I better get something. You better, I better pop out a kid. You better help me. It, it, but notice it wasn't like that. She says, no, no, this is, this, is so, this, is, this is too much. Don't lie to me. In other words, this is not a game. In other words, what I've done, are you sure it justifies that kind of response? Are you sure you're serious? Are you sure you're not playing games with me or pulling my chain or just saying something nice to make me feel good? Because if you are, don't lie to me, prophet. This is too important to me. Don't lie to me. If you're going to say it, it has to work. Because this is too precious for me. Don't lie to me, man of God. 
that shows me that she did not think what she did deserved that kind of harvest. And I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost tonight, and if you've got brains, you'll listen to me, that what you do that you may think is small and doesn't even justify that kind of a harvest, if you honor God in the house of God, you put him to the test and he will give back to you something that you did not even think that your seed was worthy of that kind of a harvest something precious to you, something very, very sacred to you. God wants to give something, things to us that are very important to us, that are very precious to us, that are not a game, not a joke. And he, and he, he you know what I mean? This is something that's her soul cry. Yeah. I'm telling you, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want to do for your people what I did for the woman. Amen. I want to give them their soul cry. I want to give them something that they say, what I've done does not warrant this kind of, this kind of gift, Lord. I haven't done enough to deserve this kind of gift, which we know in Christ we are. Don't, don't split hairs with me. I'm talking about the motive of the heart where you say, Lord, I only did a little bit there. I only, did, I only showed up and served a bit and gave my, did this and did that. I don't really think this thing justifies the little I did. Because this is my soul cry. This is precious to me. I can't believe you would give me this for what I did. That's, that's God's heart. You sow a kernel and you reap an ear. You sow one, on average, there's 900 seeds per corn. You sow one, you get 900. He gives you more on the ear, like the stalks, on an ear of corn, you know, there's multiple stalks. They say, I don't know, but that's what a farmer told me. On average, with those, on an average corn stalk with the different ears, it's about 900. But to one seed, you get a stalk with multiple ears totaling about 900, 900 return. But on a cow, you sow a seed, you get one cow. You don't get 900 cows. So that's called, that's called a hundredfold return. Hundredfold return is not a number. Hundredfold return means maximum, in, maximum uh, result, maximum harvest. The, mac, the hundredfold on a corn of wheat, on, on, on a corn of corn, a kernel of corn is 900. But the maximum hundredfold return you can get on a cow is one. Do you understand? So don't get bunged up with the number because it's not about the number, it's about maximum harvest maximum yield. But I heard the Holy Ghost say in my heart, tell them if they'll just do what may seem little, I'll give them what seems great. I'll give them a soul cry. I'll give them the thing that's precious to them. And that lady, that's why she said that. Don't play games with me. This is too special for you to play games. This couldn't be real. Are you serious? Don't you lie to me now? And of course God did it. Are you listening? It's so important that you treat Listen, who do I have in my life? I got some neighbors. Jessica knows them. They're nothing to hoot or holler about. I got some friends. They're okay. They're nice. I like them. I bless them if I can. I got some family. Whatever. I got some associations. Some sinners, some saints. They're okay. I mean, if you look at your life, coworkers, neighbors, family, friends... You understand, I put the, rate them on a scale of preciousness. Rate them on a scale of the plan of God. I'm sorry, but my neighbors have got nothing to do with the plan of God. Neither do the co-workers. Well, my co-workers do, but your co-workers probably don't. 
They're not even in the kingdom most of the time. Friends and family, wonderful, but you rate all of these things that are swirling around us in terms of how important are these connections to the eternal plan of God. And you'll see most of them rate very low. But now you take the gathering of the saints called the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, where Jesus named it the church. He's the first one to give it that name. I will build my church and hell will not be able to stop it. You take the gathering of saints, the gathering of believers from all cultures, from all walks of life, all socioeconomic statuses, all colors of skin, all age groups, both genders. I didn't say all genders. I said both genders. You bring them all together and in unity, because the Holy Ghost permits our hearts with us with the divine love, Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart for you and you for me and you for each other. And we lift up hands and we, and we get things done for God's kingdom. When you rate all the relationships in your life, the local church and what it produces for the eternal realm is at the very top and there is no close second. That's right. There is the local church up here at 10 and the next closest thing to the plan of God for your life in terms of your associations probably ranked down to three. Praise God. Now, your covenant with your spouse would be right up there too because they connect you. They're working with you for the plan of God. But I'm talking about associations out there. You got to renew your thinking about this. That's why people say, Pastor Nancy says, and people get offended with her and said, your life revolves around the local church. The local church does not revolve around your life. He's yeah. people that don't have renewed their thinking and they get offended at that. Well, who do you think you think you're that important? No, it's not that I'm that important. It's that this gathering is for the plan of God for Toronto and Canada. And as the byproduct, your life will get the soul cry. But more valuable than even you getting what's precious is people hear about Jesus and don't go to hell. <laughs> and people get healed and people have their minds re- and marriages are saved and children are delivered. What God does for others through this work is actually more valuable or important than even you getting the thing that's precious for you. But in his mercy and his grace, he wants you to get your soul cry and he wants the kingdom, in this case, Elisha represents the kingdom of God. He wants the kingdom to be thrust forward. But he also wants you to get your soul cry. And he wants everybody wins, but you see, what does it take? It takes recognizing that 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 association of this thing called the church is the most valuable, eternal thing in your life. So treat it that way. (sighs) Just show up and then give a sandwich. And then after a while, the Holy Ghost will stretch you to give a little house. Because he's trying to get your soul cried to you. And in the process, help Elisha's ministry. Help Promise of Life's ministry. Are you with me? But I'm saying this, these things, I'm prepping you. I'm prepping you for a reason because of the word of the Lord that came to me since Sunday evening. And I'm trying to say this to you because this is the scripture that God gave me. He said, read that scripture and then I'm going to talk to you. And so I've read the scripture now to you and preached it a little bit to you because there's elements in here that are very important. And what God expects from us, what he wanted from that woman is to put with honor the divine associations first. And we're going to get a harvest if we'll do that. 
We're not just doing it and we suffer. He never does. I said that would be unjust. He's saying, you put it first, I'll put you first. And if you don't put it first, because I love you, I'm not going to let you get away with your scallywag behavior, so I'm going to discipline and correct you. And you better be grateful for that because that shows you that he loves you. We're raising, the world is raising a generation of brats. Brats. Blatant brats. That disrespect authority, disrespect their teachers, disrespect the police, disrespect the government, disrespect everything. And you know whose fault it is? The parents. It's the parents' fault. Because they have decided that love is, is, and love is a hug. But love is also I'll, I'll slap you. Or not, but now you almost can't even say that lest you'll be arrested. Because our government is raising with their restrictions a generation of degenerates. I'm telling you the truth. I've never had in my life ever so many teachers talk to me and say, Pastor, like this is what happens. I can't do anything in the classroom. They can cuss at me. They can swear at me. They can, and I have to call them a cat if they think that that day they're a cat. And let them go to the litter box. I mean, our government is so demon-possessed in their thinking and in their law-giving. Do you understand how dangerous of a society? We are raising a generation of bratty degenerates, but not in this church and not in our homes. Do you understand? And I'm not telling you how to discipline or what you should do, but I am saying that follow the Holy Ghost because he knows the bent of your child and he knows what discipline is going to work for your child or not. And we don't believe in abusing and we don't believe in anything that, that, that even gets remotely close to something that would be considered abusive. That is not our heart. But at the same time, there's got to be whatever you do, whether it's timeouts or this or whatever you do, there's got to be discipline unless you, or you will raise and the next generation will have no honor and no regard for authority. And in the local church, are you listening to me? There has to be discipline or there will be no regard for God and for authority and for where we're going. That's not coming out of my notes. That's not coming out of my head. The Holy Ghost has brought that up to me tonight. It wasn't, I wasn't planning on saying that. I was planning on saying the other stuff in this chapter, but I wasn't planning on the deviation detour about chastening. But I keep hearing him say, talk about that because of how much I chasten you and how much I get on your case and how much I have Pastor Nancy get on your case. And even though it stings, don't you feel loved? Yes, sir. I feel safe. You love me too much to leave me the way I am. I feel safe because you want me to finish my race and I won't if I'm not disciplined. I just feel that has to be said. I don't know why, but it has to be said again and again for you to hear. Because discipline will come from the pulpit. Listen, discipline will come in your prayer life first. If you don't listen, discipline will come from the pulpit. If you don't listen to that, then discipline will come in the counseling room. And if you don't listen to that, then the devil will separate you. Get you offended. Praise God. But I'm grateful for discipline. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm grateful for it. You know, the wonderful thing is God is, was dealing with me about some stuff in my own life. And it, was some, it required some fairly big decisions that would have ripple effects. Do you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but I, I just knew in my heart, but I was sitting there beside her, you know, everyone's eating. And I already know what God said. So I never really made the decision. So I, I don't really need to run it by anybody because I've already made the decision. 
And I know it's going to have ripple effects. And I know it's going to cost me more money. And I know it's going to be harder on my flesh. But I've already made the decision. Listen to me. But I'm sitting there and just out of my spirit rose up, tell Pastor Nancy. And I answered and I said, why? I don't want to burden her with my problems. I've already made the decision, Lord. You've already corrected me. Tell Pastor Nancy. So I said, Mom, can I tell you, since we have a minute, you know, while everybody else is talking, can I tell you something God's been correcting me about? And so I told her. And, uh, and then she said, then she started speaking to me by the Spirit. And she says, now I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm thinking, why? I'm just telling you, this is rhetorical. <coughs> Not with her, it ain't. Thank God. She said, I'm glad that, brought you up, that you brought that up. And then she said, I've been having, I've been praying for you. And I've been having such and such concerns. And she listed them. And she says, now they won't leave me. Now she says, Pastor Craig, you know that when you pray for somebody and, you, and, and that thing lifts off you, it means that person's made the change. She says, but it won't leave me about you. So I know that you're, you're still messing up. You're still in disobedience on this thing. So she said, I was going to talk to you, but I'm so grateful you brought it up. So it's, you know. So she told me. And uh, it was the same things as what I had brought up. And more clarity, more detail, more emphasis than even what I knew. And, uh, and, I, and I said, th- I thanked her. But see, that's still a correction for me because she's yeah. telling me you're messing up. You're messing up on some things. And, and I'm praying for you, but it won't lift off me, which means you're not doing what God's been dealing in your heart to do. Because if you were doing it, it would lift off me. That's right. But it won't leave me, which means you're being rebellious. So I'm going to now talk to you as a son and you're going to fix this. Or you're going to stunt your future. You listening to me? But that's what a spiritual parent is for. And then I said, Lord, why? I appreciate she gave more clarity and more emphasis than what I even knew. So maybe that was enough. Are you listening to me? Maybe that was enough. That's why you wanted me to ask her because it gave me more clarity. But I said, was there any other reason you wanted me to tell her? And the Lord said, yes. I'm trying to help you with this. I'm teaching you spiritual principles here because I'm learning too. The Lord said, I needed her to confirm it to you so that when the going gets tough and you feel like not doing this anymore, you're, you're not going to think back to it wasn't just you that heard and maybe I misheard, <laughs> but it was confirmed through your parent who doesn't mishear. And it will hold you as an anchor in your resolve. So I'm just saying sometimes a spiritual parent or a pastor needs to say things. God's already dealing with you in your heart, but, I'm, but through that anointing in a service or in that private room, he's dealing with you about things. It's not, it's sometimes it may give you more clarity, but if nothing else, it will serve as a confirmation to what God was already dealing with you about so that when you attempt to change and it gets tough to change, you're not going to question, the devil's going to say, oh, that was just up, you, you came up with that yourself. You can say, no, I know it wasn't just me because my, my spiritual parent confirmed that and I hold on to that. I may miss it, but they're less likely to miss it than me. And I'm going to press through this challenge and I'm going to change this. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. That's why it's so important you're around the anointing that God has for your life. Yes. 
Because if Dan and Hannah had decided, this has been a very busy week of meetings, we got to drive home on Friday, let's go to a movie, God will understand. Yes, he will. But that word would not have happened because they would have not shown honor to be around who God connected them with. That's why I keep saying, I know it's a broken record, but I keep trying to get over to me, other ministers, yourself, all of us, every opportunity. Remember Joe, Joe, Reverend Joe preached about Every opportunity that we have, we don't want to pass it by. Every time the doors are open, we want to be there. Every Because ch- you never know. And, and God's not trying to hurt you, but you never know the day that you decide to just be lazy and get in the flesh might be the day that that's what he's going to... You, you, you get around that atmosphere, around that divine association, around the local church, and clarity will come. And confirmations will come. And strength to fulfill that will come. Hallelujah. And listen, it's not just me saying, by the way, I, I, I have a word of knowledge that somebody in here, you're in pornography, you need to quit. Th- th- that's one form of correction. But listen, you can just be sitting in a service where the anointing is and the Holy Ghost on the inside of you says, now you need to deal with that addiction. Do you understand? It doesn't always mean it has to be a word of knowledge calling out what area you're struggling with because the great Holy Ghost inside of you can, will deal with you about the areas you're struggling with. And he'll do it in your prayer closet, but he'll also do it when you're around that anointing, that corporate anointing. Because in your prayer closet, there's only your anointing. But here, there's all the other people's anointings that are working together. And then there's an office's anointing, which is higher. And that brings, that brings things into your life. Yes. Wish you would understand. Well, I, hope you un- I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Because it's so easy for people to think we're manipulating and to try to get you like a cult. You've got to be here. You've got to be here every time. And that's not what this is about. These are spiritual laws that work. When you're around that divine supply, you receive of that supply and you are more likely to finish your race. Do you understand? So there's some correction that he's emphasizing that tonight. But there's also this woman that made food and then stretched to do more. She made a room. The prophet showed up. And what happened? She got something birthed. Right? She got pregnant from her husband who was old. So that was a miracle. And according to the time of life, which is nine months, it came forth. So when God said to me earlier, before three, four days before Pastor Nancy came, he said, because you've made room. Now, he meant spiritually and physically. Because of the physical effort, money that we took to make the building better to house the prophet. You see, God cares about that. He doesn't want it a pigsty. No, I'm serious. You don't understand how serious God, you think he's spiritual, but he, he looks at natural things far differently than you think. And he cares about honor being shown, not just, this is not just old covenant, the principle goes right through. He said, because you've shown honor for the prophet and made a room spiritually and naturally, as it was birthed for her, so shall it be birthed for you, basically. As something is about to be birthed in your ministry. And so during the conference, I said, Lord, I want to I handle that word correctly. So what I'm asking is, when you say something's going to be birthed in the ministry, I don't, you know, because God can talk flowery sometimes. He can talk poetically sometimes. He can talk in symbols, types, and shadows. And so you kind of have to define or get the Holy Ghost to help you define exactly what he means, or you could mishandle a word. Do you understand? And I said, Lord, are you talking about something is going to happen like something's going to be birthed? That's how he said it. Is it going to be like in the actual week of meetings, like some dramatic thing is going to happen and it's going to change our whole ministry? Or the next day after Pastor Debbie leaves, 
something dramatic is going to happen and it's going to boom, like, like we didn't see it and we're blindsided and boom, there it is. I said, because if that's what you're talking about, I need to know because I need to be expecting that and putting my mouth in agreement with that and kind of bracing myself for this dramatic event. Are you understanding where I'm coming from? And, and the Lord said something to me and this is, and don't put it on the screen. I want to read it. Okay. Let me read the first thing and then we'll close. The first thing he said before the meetings, because you made a room for the prophet, because you showed honor. So in your ministry, things shall be birthed like they were birthed for the great woman. New things shall be conceived and brought forth as a result of these meetings. That's the word I got just a few days before she arrived. But he said, brought forth. Well, he did use the word conceived, but he said, it'll be birthed like it was birthed for the great woman. But then he also said, new things shall be conceived and brought forth as a result. So that that is a hint because he used the word conceived. Conceived is not delivery. But, But he also used the word birthed. And twice he said birth and brought forth. So he's emphasizing the delivery of the baby. But I'm not sure, does that mean something dramatic instantaneously? Or is, is it a time? Is it, is, what's happening here? And so I, I waited on him and he didn't actually speak to me during the meetings about any of that. I was saying, Lord, I need to put my faith with this. If something dramatic is about to happen, I don't want to miss it because I didn't, I didn't pray it out or speak it out. But he was silent. So obviously I'm not missing it if he's silent. Because he has to talk. If, I, uh, if he doesn't talk, it's not my fault. He didn't say a word all the meetings. He didn't say a word right through till Sunday night. He didn't say anything until Monday. So I realized, well, it, the dramatic thing, if that's what it is, is not going to happen during the meetings because he didn't say anything. And nothing dramatic happened from that perspective. But I thought maybe it's going to happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Lord, like, should I go down and just wait in the sanctuary? Like Taylor does, just put her hands up. Maybe a lightning. I don't know. Something, maybe somebody's going to come and give us $10 million for the building. I don't know. What does this mean? And then he started talking to me, and I want to read to you what he said. Is that okay? Yes. And the Lord answered me in these three days, and, and these, these, are diff, these things have come at different times, but I'm putting it all together in one statement, okay? But it didn't all come at one time. The prophet's reward. Listen, listen. Are you listening? The prophet's reward. That's what it's called. If you give a prophet water in the name of a prophet, you'll get the prophet's reward. She did a lot more than water. She got a bigger reward. She got a baby. She got her heart cry. The prophet's reward started with her getting pregnant. Right? Just think about it. So in other words, I'm looking at it symbolically, type and shadow, but God's actually looking at it more literally. So in other words, it's not going to be some dramatic thing this week. Or during the meetings because I'm thinking maybe it's symbolic but it, it is symbolic but it's not like that he means it more literal in terms of time timings the prophet's award started with her getting pregnant nine months later she brought forth something has been deposited <laughs> now that's symbolic because her husband deposited something but we're talk- not talking about that we're talking about in the spiritual realm do you understand? Something has been deposited, but it was something had, talking about the woman, had been deposited, but it was unseen until the right time. You can't see the baby for nine months. So something was deposited in you and your church by the prophet in these meetings, but it will remain unseen for a season until it is time to come forth and be revealed. 
Have not I spoken to you about 2024? That it is a year to cast forth the precious water upon the altar? You may not remember that, but we'll talk about it again. But 2024, in the timeline he gave me, Elijah was on Carmel, and they poured out the most precious substance they had was water. And he said, fill, the, fill it again, fill it again. And this is what they're desperately short of. And they poured out, that was more valuable than gold, was water. They're, they're dying in a famine. And they poured out upon the wooden altar, remember, until the trench was filled roundabout. They had to sacrifice something greatly precious to them. Now, he's talking about the water, but not, you may not remember, but I remember. But he's been talking to me all these years. He tells me every year what's about to happen. And he said, next year is a year to focus on prayer because that represents the precious sacrifice of pouring yourself upon the altar. So have not I spoken to you about 2024, that it is a year to cast forth the precious water upon the altar, that this represents sacrificial prayer? So as prayer... More prayer, much prayer, persistent prayer is made next year. The time will come also in prayer to travail. Yes, to bring forth in the natural and to birth and manifest what was deposited at this time in these meetings. Do you see what he's saying? Something has gone in. You may not feel it, but hey, listen, my wife's been pregnant four times. She didn't feel it when... When, when, when she got pregnant, when that, when that microscopic thing happens in the womb, you don't feel it, but it's very real. And over time, you'll start to see the change, but it remains unseen until it's time to travail and give birth. What God is saying is something you don't necessarily feel it, son, that makes it no less real. Something has gone in to this church in these meetings. And as time passes, I'm going to get to this next part. As time passes, Change things are going, you're going to notice changes like you do with a woman. Are you listening? Then at the right time, which is, he's being literal on the timeline, nine months, which is sometime next year. There's going to come a time like a baby has to give birth with great sacrifice, great effort, great travail, a great burden. So next year, which is a year marked by prayer anyway, there's going to be a travailing that comes to bring forth. So what is not seen spiritually that has been deposited last week is going to, you're going to, we're going to start to see it naturally, but it's going to take some prayer to get that out. But the whole year is a year of prayer anyway. So it's a good time to do it. See, God planned all this. I didn't plan it. Now listen, now, he said it exactly this way to me. So I know some of you are thinking, why does God talk to you that way? I don't know. Sometimes he talks to me like in a way like it sounds almost scriptural. And other times he doesn't. Sometimes he talks to me in my vernacular. I don't know why, but I'm just telling you exactly what he said. He said, and lo, my son. Now, the word lo, you see in the Bible, but that's old English. Some, he doesn't often talk to me, but he did this time. He said, and lo, my son, hearken unto this truth. For as, as soon as a woman is pregnant, nothing else is the same. Just like I said to you and confirmed through David Ellis that these were landmark meetings and a demarcation line in the spirit. Yes, even the days before this conference shall be known as the former days, meaning as of this line, it's different. As when a woman gets pregnant, it's different. That's what he's trying to say. But during the time of pregnancy, does not the woman's body change? Does not does she not prepare herself? Hold on. But during the time of pregnancy, does not the woman's body change? Does not her thinking change? 
Does, not, does she not prepare herself for the weight of responsibility of being a parent? Does she not put down her own desires and strike selfishness from her tents to prepare for the new life? That's what I heard. I mean, I know we don't live in tents, but that's how he said it. So shall it be, so must it be for you and for your congregation. I am expecting this season for changes to be made in preparation for what is to come. Changes in body and changes in thinking. This is a time of preparation just like it was for the woman. A time of preparation, anticipation, and declaration. For my plan will come forth as I have spoken it. And as you have agreed with it. Because he can't bring it if we don't agree. But do not get in your flesh in imagining what the new thing will look like. In other words, the baby. Let me bring it forth and define it. And the greatness of my plan will surely come to pass for your call and for this church. Now, it's important that your eyes fall on it. And if you want to take a screenshot, then do. Put it on the screen. I want to read that again. And he said to me, the prophet's reward started with her getting pregnant. Nine months later, she brought forth. Something has been deposited, but it was unseen until... Something had been deposited, but it was unseen until the right time. So something was deposited in you and your church by the prophet in these meetings. But it will remain unseen for a season until it is time to come forth and be revealed. Have I not spoken to you about 2024? That it is a year to cast forth the precious water upon the altar. That this represents sacrificial prayer. So as prayer, more prayer... Much prayer, persistent prayer is made next year. The time will come also in prayer to travail. Yes, to bring forth in the natural, to birth and to manifest what was deposited at this time in these meetings. You see the baby analogy that he's using. And lo, my son, hearken unto this truth, for as soon as a woman is pregnant, nothing else is the same. Just like I said to you and confirmed through David Ellis that these were landmark meetings and a demarcation line in the spirit. Yes, even the days before this conference shall be known as the former days. But during the time of pregnancy, does not the woman's body change? Does not her thinking change? Does she not prepare herself for the weight of responsibility of being a parent? Does she not put down her own desires and strike selfishness from her tents to prepare for the new life? So shall it be. So must it be for your congregation. See? Change. Thinking changed. Selfishness changed. Responsibility coming. Changes that can be seen even with our bodies. With our minds. With our thinking. With our soul. With our attitudes. Change. Change. You can't have the baby the way you used to think. Because you can't go out partying every Saturday night when you got a baby. Everything changes. You, you think responsibly. And this congregation, that's what he's telling us, is a change of thinking that has to come. So shall it be, so must it be for you and your congregation. I am expecting during this season for changes to be made in preparation for what is to come. Changes in body and changes in thinking. This is a time of preparation just like it was for the woman. A time of preparation, anticipation, and declaration. For my plan will come forth as I have spoken it and as you have agreed with it. But do not get into your flesh in imagining what this new thing will look like. 
Let me bring it forth and define it. And the greatness of my plan will surely come to pass for your call and for this church. <laughs> now you say, Pastor Craig, how does that work? How, do you, how, does, how does that come out like that? Well, I tell you, the Holy Ghost says, I want to talk to you. So you know what I do? Because I, I can't write usually that fast. I've tried and it breaks the flow. I'm like trying to, and then, and then that anointing will lift. So what I do, what they did in the old, before they would have a scribe or they'd have a recorder. But what I do is I just turn on my recording device. And then, I, and then that prophecy or tongues and interpretation, it could be either or. Then I just speak it out. And then I press stop. And then a little bit later on in the day, I want to talk to you again. And it's usually another paragraph. And I'll speak it out. And then I press stop. And then when he says, when I know in my spirit that's done, I'm done. Then I take all those recordings and I type it out. But I'm telling you that that's God. That's not your pastor. That's not me conjuring something. I've got no reason to conjure anything. That's the Holy Ghost telling us. And he confirmed it through David. And he confirmed it at different times through Pastor Nancy. Hallelujah. We did a lot of lead up because God was trying to get us to the place where we were in a position to receive the deposit. Now the deposit has come. Whether you realize it or not, this church is pregnant. You may not feel anything like a natural woman doesn't, but changes, if you yield to the pregnancy and don't abort it, changes will start to show up. You're thinking it will start to change how you treat people, how your prayer life goes, your giving life, your serving life, your love walk, everything. You'll see if you yield to it uh, and you give yourself to prayer, things will start to adjust and align and be tweaked. And with that comes a lot of correction. Because when we're not, when, when we have to change, it means what we're used to doing now is not good enough anymore and it has to become different. Now the difference often requires, not always, but often requires correction. Sometimes it just requires a change of direction, a change of mindset. That doesn't always mean correction, but sometimes you're going in a certain way and God's saying, now, now redirect, and it's going to require correction. So that means that there's correction and I got some myself. I'm not above you. You're not above me. We're all humble. We're all ready to receive. My staff recently, some more than others, have received heavy correction from me because the Holy Ghost has told me the way the staff has been running is not going to work when this baby comes. There has to be changes because the staff is the beard of Aaron. Starts with the beard. But it goes right down. Every person in this church, no matter if you're the brand newest person, and you're, maybe you're, you're considered symbolically the edge of the garment, you're, you, you, you've done the least in terms of the supply because you're just new. You're not going to stay that way. You're going to grow. But if it goes down to everybody, even the newest person who's not even sure that they're going to stay, but they've, they've technically made a commitment. It goes from the head all the way down the garments. That's what the Bible says. The oil goes from Aaron's head, beard, down to the skirts and the outer skirts. That means right down to the, the last part. Yes. Praise God. Amen. Everybody. And I said, Lord, how am I going to get them to do this? I mean, what do I do? How am I going to get people to change? And the Holy Ghost said, you don't have to do anything. You have to preach it. My spirit will work with them. And he said, you know what he said to me, Taylor? He said, don't, he said, deal with your staff. Yes, but deal mostly with yourself. Preach to the congregation. Deal, be a little bit more direct and aggressive with the staff because they represent you and you're around them more than anybody else. But even more than the staff, deal most with yourself. 
Because if you do what you need to do, don't worry about anybody else. It'll still come to pass. Now, God needs you. And that doesn't give you an off. Well, I can just do whatever I want because as long as pastor does it, we're fine. No, that's not the right attitude. But what I'm saying is instead of me hammering or being afraid, is the congregation taking your temperature all the time? Are you all doing right? Are you thinking right? Are you changing? Instead of me doing that, I'm just going to focus on me. And why don't you just focus on you? Because I'm telling you, I'm not making it up. These were demarcation line meetings. And the Lord, the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, now David has, hasn't fully discerned that. You know, your Bible says you see in part, you know in part. You see through a glass dimly. It's not his fault. He didn't miss it. But I'm just saying he did not discern. The Lord spoke that to me. He said he said it publicly for like any minister, anyone, anyone out there to take. And they can take it by faith if I quicken it to them. But that word that he gave about the demarcation landmark was specifically for promise of life church not for all the other pastors that were present why because god spoke it to me as the senior pastor of this church if if god had spoken it to pastor nancy and she preached it in general then his word would be for everybody as a confirmation but she didn't preach that like that i got that he god used him to confirm it for our church now, another pastor can lay hold if there's a quickening in their spirit. But listen, when they, listen to me. When somebody else gets a prophecy, you can't just claim that prophecy. I get really tired of people that do that. That's unskillful. If somebody says there's a prophecy that, that you're going to have an increase in, in whatever it is in the next year, you're going to have this great thing happen. And then somebody goes, amen, I claim that. You can't claim that. It wasn't for you. It was for him. Unless the Spirit of God, and you better not play games with that, unless he quickens and jumps within you and says, and that's only happened less than five times in my entire ministry life. So it's very rare. It's not common where he'll jump in me and go, you lay claim to that even though you weren't the one called, but I'm speaking that to you as well. And then when you lay claim, it actually happens. If it doesn't happen, then you missed it. But you can't just claim a prophecy because it wasn't for you. It was for that person. Unless he tells you to claim it. Now, if a general thing is spoken, that's for everybody. But that prophecy was for promise of life because he didn't know because I hadn't told him what God had shown me. But it was for our church. Other pastors, if God quickens it, can claim it. But he confirmed through David. And in that word, he even used David's name because he's trying to tell this congregation something is on the horizon. I see something great. But you've got, it's, it puts greatness in you. But you've got to grow this up. And you've got to change the way you think. And everything is about to change. Because when that comes forth, something, 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 I'm telling you something. I don't know if it's going to be increased miracles. I don't know if it's going to be increased membership. I don't know if it's going to be increased money. I don't know if it's going to be increased glory. I have no idea, but I know something's coming. And I know that it started last week, and that's probably why he wants me, because, you know, when something very valuable happens, it is almost dishonorable to wait. So I think instead of waiting for Sunday, he just wants me to start talking about it right away because when something precious, you don't wait till it's convenient. You just gotta, it's too important to God to just for me to stay silent. And I had another sermon, but I just kept getting a check and I said, Lord, that's for a Sunday. This is for a Sunday. And he said, no, something of this value, you say it right away. 
So hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I give you praise and I thank you in the precious name of Jesus for the workings that you're doing in this church, in this ecclesia, in this group of called out ones. For Lord, this local body, this local chapter of the body of Christ that meets at 140 Capitol Court. Father, you're doing something special in us. You've been preparing me and talking to me much about 24, but Lord, this is just yet another layer of confirmation and of instruction about what's coming. You said that next year would begin the season of increase, that we've been in three years of death. As I talked from the vineyard parallel, you said after the mantle came, there would be three years of death, 21, two, and three. And Lord, as you said to me earlier this year, as you end the season of death, so next year we'll start the season of increase and it will increase in Hebron until the season, the years of Hebron have, have ended and you come into your years of Jerusalem. But Lord, we're on the, we're on the, on the cusp of increase and I don't know fully what it means and I don't want to define it in my mind or say something that I have to later regret or try to take back. So I'm cautious in what I say because you told me not to define it and not to get into my flesh trying to understand what it is. All I know is that you have told us that next year is a year of prayer and a year of increase. And now you've layered another revelation instruction to us now saying that this was an, impregna an impregnation time and that as we wait on you and as we make the changes needed like a natural mother would, so it shall come forth and be made visible next year. And Lord, I thank you. That will be the beginning of the season of increase in Hebron. And it will just keep growing and increasing from that time forward. Father, we've been faithful in dark years. We've been faithful during the COVID years. We've been faithful during the season of death. And I thank you that now it's like the, dawn, the sun is, is, is breaching over the horizon. It's like the day has come. It's like the season of increase is dawning now. And Lord, even though we're still in 23, you always overlap with me at the end of one year into the next. That is the pattern that you've always used. So I'm not surprised that you are starting this overlapping now as we enter, getting ready to enter into the fall. And Lord, as we are, start to make the changes now into the new year, I thank you that you will work with every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're watching live stream or present. Lord, as we say this again at some point in the future, that you'll work with those ones that hear it then. That Lord, everyone that calls themselves a part of this church would have it on the back of their mind and the front of their mind on a daily and regular and intentional basis. Lord, where, where are the changes? Because I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm, I'm helping this ministry births something. Lord, something's about to change. It'll never be the same again. The former days are gone and the greatest days are ahead. And Lord, what do I need to do to prepare mentally and physically for this great change? Show me, teach me, correct me, instruct me. I humble myself and I will do it, Father. I'll do it with all my heart. Lord, that must be our cry. That must be our prayer. That must be our vow. And if we will do it with all of our hearts, Father, you will see this through. And what started last week in the spirit will start to manifest in the natural. And I give you praise. But every one of us are pregnant, not just me. This church is pregnant, not just the pastor. Let us treat this right. Let us treat this thing that's on the inside of our spirits that's growing. Let us show honor for it. Let us... A mother changes even her diet. A mother changes what she drinks. A mother changes everything. 
She prepares a place and a room for that baby. She mentally adjusts her thinking to prepare for the responsibility and the sacrifice for that baby. Father, we are pregnant now. Let us act like it and think like it. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, I pray. And I thank you for those in this room that agree with me and agree with this prayer and agree with this sermon and are saying by their amen, yes, Father, I agree. Let it so be it unto me according to thy word. If that's you, then say a big amen. amen. In Jesus' name.